G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Connecting faith to life. Vision. Coming up today on The Story. When I was 19, I was vaccinated with five different vaccinations to go into a tribe in the Philippines where we have missionaries. And instead of the vaccines working for me, they actually kind of started to shut down my body. So I went from a very healthy girl to this extremely frail and completely housebound. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, a combination of creativity and activism for you today, as Rebecca Lancaster from Geelong combines designing handcrafted jewellery with a passion for helping children caught in the sex slave trade overseas. But how did this all come about? And what are some of the challenges in her own life she's had to overcome to get to this point? Rebecca shares her journey with Karen Hunt and Karen's mother, today on The Story. And parents, we just want to warn you that there will be some adult themes being discussed today relating to prostitution, and so portions of today's conversation are not recommended for young listeners. I have a very special guest co-host with me today. I've actually welcomed into the studio my mum, Lorraine Dyer. Welcome, Mama Bear. Thank you very much. (laughs) Hello, Rebecca. Rebecca, Rebecca, meet Lorraine. Hello. Hi, Lorraine. Nice to talk to you, Rebecca. (laughs) You too. Got to tell you, my mum is a bit of a jewellery fanatic. Part of the story of Rebecca Lancaster is her involvement in making beautiful jewellery for a special God-inspired purpose. Her home base business today can be seen at Rebecca.com. That's Rebecca with a H.com. Wearable art that is being made and sold for an amazing purpose. Rebecca, Mm. how about we start off this conversation by simply asking, you know, can you tell us who you are and what was life like for you as a young'un? Sure. Well, I was actually born in the USA and my dad was a pastor there and the Lord called him to lead a a group of people out here as their pastors. So when I was just over two, we moved to Australia. From which Um, part of the US? From like the Cincinnati area in Ohio. And um, by faith, they picked me and my brother and my mum up and we headed out here to Oz. So we grew up as, well, we became Australian citizens. And so that's how we came to be planted here in Australia. Did you go straight to Geelong? We did. We went. Uh, we came straight to Geelong. I don't remember any of that as a two-year-old. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, we we came straight here. Got um, plugged right into the church and have been here pretty much ever since. Okay. So when you were a young girl, what was life like? Oh, I was very much a happy little kid. My my brother, he's a couple years older than me, so we definitely got into our fair share of uh, mischief with the neighbour boys. <laughs> um, but yeah, grew up very happy, very um, safe, uh, protected. Grew up from the very beginning hearing about Jesus. And so that was instilled in us since I was just a, a wee little tacker. And then coming to know him as my own personal saviour when I was around 10. God allowed some different things in my life to kind of shape my teenage years. 
which is kind of the lead into um, how I got involved with the jewellery and the ministries. Uh, Rebecca, you sound like you're a very creative type of person, making jewellery. And... <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, overly creative, I think, is actually the word, Lorraine. What other areas? Uh, drawing, um, illustration, ceramics. Pretty much give me a pencil and colour or something to work with and I'm in my element. So oh, That sounds very um, interesting. Did you ever do mosaic? No, I've never done mosaic. Mm, I could see you doing that by the sound of what you're telling me. Oh, well, it's, it's maybe messy. one day we'll it's, have to get together. Yeah, it's messy, <laughs> but it's very interesting. <laughs> Rebecca, oh, so sure. you had a love of art from a young age, yeah? yeah? very much. When did the creativity start flowing? How young were you? Oh, um... You know what? It was even before primary school. Mm -hmm. I was always in um, the colouring books at home and in textures. I'm sure I grew up with texture stains all over my hands. <laughs> <laughs> Me too with the uh, with the paints and, and the textures. Yes. I can concur. That's for sure. That's right. <laughs> yep. And glitter. You can't go wrong. Girls and glitter. It's You're like a we glitter girl. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm looking oh, at yes. my mum here across the studio desk and she's got her beautiful gold and her jewels and gems and she too is a creative right. one, loves her jewellery. <laughs> Tell us mm. in the early years, when did you start creating jewellery pieces and how did that come about? Sure. When I was 19, I actually became very sick and I was sick for about four and a half years. And it was during those years that um, a woman in our church, because I had to drop out of studies I was doing and my job, I was pretty much housebound and a lady came over with some old tobacco tins that had been kind of passed down through a couple of generations in her family from a fire in the early 20th century. Tobacco and tins? They're very valuable, mm. you know, today. Yes, yeah, I actually do. Um, and they held much more um, of a treasure. She gave them to me and said, look, you know, just keep your hands busy. I opened up the first tobacco tin. I was really disheartened because it was a bunch of old beads covered in ash <laughs> and soot and I thought oh great what am I going to do with these little did I know the Lord had a great purpose in them I took them to the sink and I carefully washed out each tin the contents of the tin went from soot and dirt covered beads into my whole kitchen sink was just sparkling with, wow. with gems. Yeah, it was definitely a beauty from ashes moment. Uh -huh. uh, Literally, sure. by the sound of it. Literally, yes. So I just started to tinker around with beads. And before I knew it, I was making very simple jewellery. Rebecca, did you have wire or stretch elastic to thread through those beads? I actually didn't have either. I had just sewing thread because my mum quilts and I oh, didn't yeah. have any other materials. So yeah. I just started off with that and yeah some people from church who felt very sorry for me bought some of my early pieces and the Lord's just grown it and developed skills. So Rebecca you were saying before that you weren't well at a certain period of your life what kind of sickness was it that that you had? Um, when I was 19 I I was vaccinated with five different vaccinations to go into a tribe in the Philippines where we have missionaries. Yeah. And instead of the vaccines working for me, they actually kind of started to shut down my body. So I went from a, a very healthy five foot nine girl to after a couple of years and going through medical tests, um, I was 34.6 kilos and just extremely frail and completely housebound. 
even though it was the vaccinations that had started to shut down like my liver and different parts of my mm. heart it actually resulted from earlier things that happened in my childhood right at the end of that four and a half years sickness that went till I was almost 25 the Lord actually used that illness to bring about memories of some childhood trauma of sexual abuse and then and then also rape when I was oh. so yeah that um, I actually didn't remember any of it until the very end of that illness um, and when the Lord brought all of those memories back of the childhood trauma and I started to get healing and counseling and help for that yeah. uh, my body started to physically heal from the, the vaccination damage it started to bring to light all the different things I struggled through like in my teenage years I had a couple years of being severely anorexic and and we didn't understand why when all of the uh, memories came out it made complete sense of all the different things that I went through in high school so mm. some people can come out of an illness and have a, a really negative view of God unfortunately but he's used my illness, which was ashes, to bring about beauty and, and freedom and hope and healing. So this so, really was a dark time in your life. Oh, yeah. And here you are going back to that sink, tipping out all of these dirty old beads, you know, mm. to the point where you're washing them clean by hand yourself. Mm. They're glistening again and they're, they're sparkling. The, mm -hmm. the glass brought back to their original beauty. What a beautiful story in itself. Mm. It's like, I guess it's been said that what you go through as a child shapes who you become as mm. you grow up. You're no exception to that, hey? No, <laughs> no. Did it make you determined? It made me very determined. Tell us what unfolded. It was in one of the darkest periods of being so ill. We knew that I was going to die, actually. And one of those, those dark nights, my mum was with me, and I remember just crying out and saying, Lord, if you, if you heal me, if you save me, I, I promise to use my gifts for you and to, to help also rescue um, little girls who constantly um, being preyed upon in the sex slave industry, the ones in countries where there is no hope. And I promised him that I would do all that I could to, to help him. So I became very determined to get well. I didn't think that I was going to, but um, our Heavenly Father certainly had his own ideas and he gave me a determination and a will to get through it and here I am. <laughs> Rebecca, you mentioned earlier the five vaccinations. Mm. That was to go to the Philippines. Did you actually get to the Philippines? No, I was too sick to go. <laughs> really? Okay. Yep. So you became mm. well over a period of time? I did. It took a few years to actually build my body back up mm -hmm. to strength but he was faithful and I certainly became very healthy and well again, um, inside and out, because it's, it's not just the physical, it's, it's definitely the, the emotional and the mental health as well. So where did you travel to on your first mm. overseas journey? As a, as a healthy person? Mm -hmm. uh, I think it was Mauritius, actually. I went over to teach English in the, the slums for a couple of months. I first became unwell, I think it was between the age of 19 and 20. Mm -hmm. And then I, I got on a plane and headed off in, in faith <laughs> when I was uh, 26, I think. And did you go by yourself with others? Uh, no, I actually went by myself. Well, brave um, and there was It's a very brave oh, thing to do. 
a very naive thing to do, I think, yeah. as well. Mm. Um, but I knew who I knew who had called me to do it, and who went with me, and went before me, and went behind me. So I guess that's definitely what made me step out. You're listening to the story today. Karen Hunt, along with her mother are chatting with Rebecca Lancaster from Geelong, who makes handcrafted jewellery with a purpose. Next, we'll hear more of her story and how she became involved in helping children caught in the sex slave industry. That and more when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401-132-888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're continuing with Karen Hunt along with her mother chatting with Rebecca Lancaster from Geelong who combines making handcrafted jewellery with her passion for helping children caught in the sex slave industry. Next, we'll find out more of her story and how this unusual combination came about in her life. That first trip to Mauritius, what did you find? I definitely experienced that as a, a single white female mm-hmm. in um, a very small country that's very poor and eager to um, climb out of their poverty in any way. Um, that it, it probably wasn't the safest place for me to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely found, uh, for the first time I saw face-to-face with the little kids that I was working with, um, girls that were, um, when they would leave school with me for that day, they would actually go back to sexual slavery situations. Mm-hmm. So my eyes were very much opened to the reality of what goes on in the world. So did you join an organisation or did you go to a school? What was it that you went to? I went over with uh, SIM and I was working in partnership with SIM and a couple local churches and then um, Ecole de la Vie, which is a a French uh, Mauritian school that's set up specifically for kids in that area that are under the poverty level. And what does SIM stand for? Serving in Mission. And how long were you there for that experience? Um, I was there for two months. Moving on in your journey, so you returned to Australia. What was jumping in your heart? What spurred you on? What happened next in your journey? Well, I was very focused on my jewellery before I left and I was working a couple other jobs. And when I came back from being in, in the circumstances that I was in, the Lord definitely put on my heart to do more with my jewelry in a greater way of using my jewelry as a tool to raise the finances to be able to support organizations that specifically focus on rescuing girls out of the sex slave industry. And so he started to give me a real heart to do ambassador work mm-hmm. and the the kind of public speaking area of things to raise the awareness and to just open our eyes up in the West of what's going on. So he scaled back some of the other jobs that I was working and, and had me focus a lot on my jewellery. And um, he started to open doors here in Oz and then uh, one in Singapore and then uh, throughout a couple different places in the US to to speak and to share and to be kind of the, 
the person that would channel support to some different places in India um, in particular. So you've only just recently returned from India. Have you been there a number of times now? or um, I haven't. I actually was always too sick to go, but my, my dad goes every year. Uh-huh. So yeah, we just returned two weeks ago, in fact. So you, your dad, a team of people? No, uh, when we went in February, it was just my dad and I, because of the nature of uh, the work that we were going to be doing there and where we were going to bring a lot of Westerners in, it would draw a lot of attention, very unwanted attention that could stir up just some different issues for the ministries that are working in India and it could be a real hindrance. So it was just Mm. um, my dad and I and then we have people in India who are like family members. So you're involved with rescue, rehab, giving hope to young girls who've already been rescued from sexual slavery? Um, Both. I have now 10 little girls who have been rescued. They've literally been rescued from sexual slavery in small-scale brothels. So these girls were, these 10 girls were kidnapped, stolen or bought from out of the tribes that they grew up in and ended up in brothels. What age group would these girls be, Rebecca? They are from the age of 8 to 13, so oh. they're just, just little gems. Yeah, it's, it's heartbreaking. And unfortunately, sexual slavery starts with newborns in India. Oh, it's oh my goodness. Yeah. And, and where have you got these girls? You have a special home for them? or Right now, through the fundraising that I did last year, a shelter will be built for the girls and it's about halfway completed. So that's a an answer to prayer because each of these girls will have a bed of their own, a, a bathroom, some privacy. And there's also a couple, there's a small team of Indian Christian people who have a real heart for these girls who will be living with the girls. Mm. So, Sort of like uh, house parents. Exactly, just mm. like house parents. Mm. Yep. Mm. So you walked uh, yourself through the biggest red light district in which part of India? It was in a, a suburb of Calcutta called Sonagachi. Uh, and you discovered uh, and embraced these 10 mm. young girls, just randomly 10? Or how, how did these 10 come to be? Well, actually, these... 10 girls aren't from Calcutta, which is a real blessing. These girls, they were rescued out of smaller town brothels. And so the pastor who came across these young girls quite by accident, he couldn't bear the thought of little girls being abused day in, day out like this. So he, by his own means, he took them under his wing and, well, he bought them, and which is what you have to do. And he took them under his wing and since then he's been praying that someone would come on board and basically sponsor them. So he got in contact with my dad at the end of last year through absolutely the Lord's leading and was talking with my dad and said, do you know of anyone that would want to try and sponsor these 10 little girls? Because if they're not cared for, they're, it's taking them out of one bad situation and putting them into, into poverty. And Dad said, well, actually, yeah, I know of someone that's definitely wanting to get on board with this. (laughs) Do you know the hope in this story, Rebecca? I love the fact, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm looking here at different pictures of your jewellery. Now, jewellery has become a (laughs) business for you to fund the endeavours that uh, you and your dad have taken on. But each 
single piece of jewellery that I'm looking at comes with a pearl incorporated in it. You know, you've got lots of beautiful beads, different shapes and sizes and colours, and some (laughs) are glassy and some are dark and some are thick and some are thin, but somewhere in each piece, be it a necklace or or a bracelet or earrings, there's a pearl. Tell us us about that. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that, Karen, because the pearl for centuries, it's represented... Uh, purity and innocence mm. and when I first started making jewellery unbeknownst to me I just thought it'd be fun to stick a pearl in every piece and then as I came to understand the meaning of different gemstones and pearls the Lord really used the pearl in my own life of um, wanting to restore within me a purity and an innocence that mm. I, I thought was gone mm-hmm. as he started to do that in my own heart and he started to give me a heart and a vision to to help um, the little girls of India. Mm-hmm. I thought, wow, how fitting is this? The Lord's done this in me, and this is what I desire so much for every rescued little girl that we're able to rescue and, and to give hope. We want to install in them purity and innocence that comes from Christ, which mm-hmm. is the true purity and innocence and, and true hope. So the pills are are very important with my jewellery. <laughs> You're doing a wonderful job, girl. Absolutely wonderful. Oh, oh thank you. I too, like my mum just said, I, I love your heart. Mm. I love the uh, the whole concept of what you're doing, you know, and I love the fact that a portion of yeah. the proceeds that you make through your jewellery business actually goes directly towards the rescue of young girls yeah. and young women from, like you're saying, the sex slave industry, particularly right yeah. now in India. Yeah, yeah. And you've recently come back. You're still a little bit sick from that visit. How how are you faring at the moment? Um, I'm ho- hopefully I'm on the up. Hopefully uh-huh. I'm on the up. Yep. Well, I um, hope so as well, hey? Yeah, <laughs> thank and, you. And what are your hopes and goals now that you've returned? What's next for Rebecca Lancaster? Um, the, I'm certainly still doing my jewellery because now I have... Ten little faces that are dependent <laughs> on my <Yeah>. jewelry, <laughs> and then the the Lord's He's definitely getting me ready and starting to open up doors in different places in the U.S. to go and and do more ambassador work to be a voice for the voiceless. So it's it's a pretty big year ahead, and I'm really glad that I He doesn't show us everything at once because I'm I'm sure I'd love to just kind of stay in bed for a little bit longer. <laughs> That's Karen Hunt, along with her mother, chatting with Rebecca Lancaster from Geelong, who makes beautiful handcrafted jewellery with a purpose. And as we've heard, that purpose is helping children who are caught in the sex slave trade overseas. She certainly has a compassionate heart for helping, and it's great to see how she combines that with her creative side. To find out more about her jewellery and ministry, her website is www.rebecca.com Now, it's spelt differently than the usual Rebecca. www.rebhecca.com Thanks for joining us. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I really must go. And he says, oh, the children want to sing for you. And they're singing these Romanian songs. I'm praying, talking to the Lord, saying, how can I tell them you love them when they're living like this? How do you expect you to say to them that you love them, God, when they're living in this kind of situation? Mm. 
how can I ever walk away from these kids? Missionary evangelist Philip Cameron is a preacher, singer and founder of a ministry that runs homes in Moldova designed to rescue orphan girls from human trafficking. He is the author of the book, They Call Me Dad, How God Uses the Unlikely to Save the Discarded. We'll hear his story next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.